0: This week, we watched a 2011 urban cult hit, Attack the Block, and find out along the way that British people aren't really all that pleasant, and what's up with the alien teeth. This is Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to what is sure to be another thrilling, exciting edition of the Force-Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. I am your host, Chris Rupp, and I am joined with my co-host, Sean Culp. Thank you, everybody, so much. Like we said, at the top of the show this week, we watched Attack the Block. I, for one, was excited when we picked this. I watched it a couple years ago, and I I didn't know what I was getting into when I first watched it. Okay. Because all I saw was John Boyega was in it, and yeah, i I'm like, hey, he's in the new Star Wars movies. Why don't we give this a try?
1: Oh, so you watched this? Okay. So I was, watched uh, this a couple years ago. Re- somewhat recently. So
0: going into today's episode, I knew what I was getting into.
1: Okay. I had no idea. When you mentioned it, I'm like, that's a film. <laughs> and I, I mean, I saw saw who it was, John Boyega. I'm like, all right, cool.
0: This movie we came out in 2011. It's about a London street gang yes. that has a chance encounter with an alien and suddenly find themselves- in a fight for their home and survival, so the movie's runtime is is just under ninety minutes, so pretty short. Um, you can definitely crank it out in an afternoon. Um, but who who wrote and directed this movie? The right. The director is Joe Cornish, and it was written by
1: Joe Cornish as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Joe Cornish does have some uh, pretty good screenwriting credits. He did um, the Adventures of Tintin, the oh. Steven Spielberg animated oh. film. Oh, a really? few Years ago. He also wrote the first Ant-Man with Edgar Wright. Oh, snap. So he's probably making some good money. Oh, well, he's he was nice until check. he did the, the King Arthur movie earlier this year, The Kid Ooh. Who Would Be King, and that, was, um, that didn't do so well.
1: Well, no one asked for that film.
0: <laughs> no, nobody's asked for a bunch of these whole medieval remakes that we've seen in the last couple of years. I think that movie, I think The Kid Who Would Be King lost something in the range of $40 million. Ooh. Yeah. That's like
1: John Carter.
0: Mm-hmm. But when this movie came out, it really was giving uh, gave Joe Cornish a bit of a rise in his name, mm-hmm. and I was surprised it took him this long to direct another movie because I thought this was very well done for your first outing.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's solid for such a low budget. Oh, yeah. If you want to see a great film, that's why I've been saying about this, if you want to see a great film with a low budget, check it out.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it's, all, it's also starring John Boyega, who we <laughs> yeah. now know as Finn from the new round of Star Wars films.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Jodie Whittaker, who is now starring as the Doctor Who character. Yeah. Um, The first female Doctor Who, which I know pissed a lot of people off for whatever reason. <laughs> Again, it's just a. Bu- uh, in this case, I think it's just a bunch of British incels who uh, want to hold on to their idea of who the character British is.
1: British incels, yeah, right. They own the intellectual property.
0: Yeah, I got news for you guys. You don't own anything. It's yeah. who the creators and producers want to go with. True that. Um, also starring Nick Frost mm-hmm. as a, uh, I guess dimwitted is appropriate term. Dimwitted pot dealer dim-witted pot pot grower pot grower I guess yeah yeah I wasn't too sure of who his role what his role was within the Uh, criminal enterprise other than rocking those jumpsuits yeah those nice Adidas jumpsuits well the movie (laughs) takes place in one night so of course he's not going to change his clothes and no and Nick Frost's character does seem like the kind of guy who has multiple jumpsuits oh
1: yeah that's not a one-shot top man
0: um there's also the cast is rounded out with a few other bit players I noticed from a lot in looking up the credits that for a a lot of these guys this is you, this is their only movie or they did television after this a few of them uh one of them went on to become a pop singer another does mostly london stage works so these with the exception of the three we mentioned they haven't gone on to bigger and better things no nope. which, which isn't true of uh our american movie child stars yes like the goonies those those actors went on all went on to bigger and better things i mean mm-hmm. josh brolin is wiping out half the universe now <laughs> sean astin you know is uh sam will always be Samwise. oh yeah jodie foster all those guys kiki kwan from um the goonies was in an indiana Jones movie freaking natalie portman so at least our our child actors most of them go on to do things in Most of them don't develop drug with Cabot. So let's get into the filming (laughs) of the movie. All right. There were only two suits that were built for the aliens. And you were were saying something about there was just people in those suits the entire time? Yeah, it was just like gorilla suits with guys. I imagine that got really hot. Oh, my goodness. I know. When I saw them,
1: like what the real monsters were, I just started laughing. I'm like, this is amazing
0: yeah you actually got real now were the teeth uh computer graphic or were those they part were part of the costume they
1: were part of the costume but they added the lights and then the other rows in it later in editing okay
0: well, so that, there that was some pretty good i mean without they were solid the, i mean oh, yeah you, i think the suits had to have something besides because they were just straight black
1: they were well the well the blackness where they didn't reflect any light that was also cgi Okay. So, so, like, how, you know, they're like, this is the blackest thing I've ever you seen. Don't, black, to be honest, blackest. I couldn't
0: really tell with that. Yeah. I thought that that was, they picked out the blackest black they could find. Same.
1: It was solid.
0: Yeah. They, I didn't know that that was uh, CGI'd.
1: It was done, the CGI in this film is done very well. Yes. For as low of a budget as it is.
0: It was used when only necessary, yeah. And with lower budgets like this, you can't cram a movie full of CGI. This is like the perfect film to follow up Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, so we get a movie solid. that had close to two thousand visual effects, and then we watch the movie the following week that has a fraction of that number, <laughs>
1: and it's done ten times better.
0: Exactly. I mean, this is with a lesson. <laughs> this is a lesson George Lucas has yet to learn: is you don't need overwhelming visual effects to make a great movie. Cash.
1: hey, the jaws were animatronic though.
0: Well, I mean, that's kind still of worked.
1: Yeah. Oh, they were solid.
0: I guess um, fifteen pages had to be removed due to budget constraints. Actually, really. So that translates to about fifteen minutes of movie time. Oh. Well, you gotta it, when you're script writing, you gotta think of like yeah. a minute per page. Minute per page. And I, th- I would love to see a rework of the climax if th- with uh, those pages. If that if at all possible with that. I w- yeah, it makes me wonder what they took out. Yeah, if it I'm was like the ending too. or
1: if it's just extra stuff because this film does kind of end like sharply right after the climax.
0: It really does.
1: It really like it it doesn't leave like a weird taste in your mouth, but it just makes you I don't know. It's just kind of. I don't think it.
0: You end on the emotional high point of the movie, but you don't get anything beyond that. There is no. There's no characters that are getting any type of, um, comeuppance or answering for anything because there's still a lot of people who died in this movie. There's the two police officers, um, the two kids, uh, Dennis and Jerome, who Mm -hmm. get killed. High hats and his gang. They all get killed. Yeah, and nobody's. And, of course, the dog, the poor dog, Pogo. Yes, that is our uh, red shirt. Yeah, that Pogo. dog did not have to die.
1: No, literally, that was its whole purpose of this film.
0: I felt so bad for that dog. <laughs> I, I I have to say, I, uh, I almost felt worse for the dog than I did at any person dying in this movie. Yeah. And I feel like that for most of the movies I watch. Anytime there is a dog sacrificed on screen, I just... It's true, but usually, you're also
1: a dog owner.
0: I am, but so, usually when the dog is killed, it's done in an uh, unceremonious way. No, they didn't even show the dog. Being yeah, killed. usually if a dog is killed in a movie like this, it's to foreshadow impending doom and Do- gloom.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, and that poor dog, like you could hear its like squeals. Yeah. So I was like, oh.
0: And that is the cutest name I've heard for a dog. Like I'm not into cute. I'm not into cutesy names like that. But I thought like, okay, that's that's appropriate for a little a little dog like that. <laughs>
1: Uh, do you know this film actually it was shot for 6 weeks
0: 6 weeks that was it just 6 weeks hmm well i guess the, All the m- i guess the mugging scene was the first scene they shot on the first day yes so though that, that that definitely set the tone for the movie the mu- the mugging scene so this film was
1: actually written the director was mugged when he was younger mm-hmm. so i guess it inspired him for
0: the film Yeah, and then he added all the, obviously, aliens Uh, didn't come after he (laughs) was mugged. There
1: is no aliens that have come to London, unless, I don't know, you're a conspiracy
0: theorist and you can tell me. Speaking of aliens coming, though- um, Is that our science for the- You know, I I do want to talk about the kids making first contact with this alien. Assuming that Moses is the oldest of the group at 15, and I'm guessing the rest of the kids are between the ages of 12 and 14. Mm Mm-hmm upon immediately encountering the alien and it attacking Moses, their first thought is to go after the alien and bludgeon it to death. Yeah. So this is the question I want to ask, is who do you want, in the event that aliens do come to Earth, who do you want to make first contact with them? I mean, obviously you need somebody who's non-threatening, who can speak for the Earth in a way that's like, hey, we come in peace, we're not here to hurt you. Uh, my first thought, Oprah. Oprah.
1: <laughs> I was thinking Tom Hanks.
0: She's non-threatening, <laughs> universally loved. What if Oprah and Tom Hanks oh, made first contact? Oh my god, that would be the the friendlier- aliens would embrace us with open arms, and everything would be golden. They would. Because if you don't love Tom Hanks, well, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And if you don't everybody loves Oprah. Lo- and everybody loves Oprah, but I think that's more for the fact that they just want a free car.
1: Yeah. That's what I mean. She would probably give
0: the aliens. And the aliens a would freak. come down and she would just point it all at all of them, like, you get a car, and you, you get, get a car, car, and you get a car. <laughs> On the flip side of that, dude, this is. This movie is definitely a case for teenagers not making first contact. No. They should not be allowed. And in this week's segment of people not doing their jobs, where are the kids' guardians in all of they this? They
1: aren't. There's only one scene where it shows them with their parents. Yeah. because So they realize that an aliens are attacking because there's a scene where like uh, the aliens rain down to the earth through like fireballs. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh no, we're being invaded. So they all go home. To get their weapons to kill these pe- these aliens and all their parents are like, come home in 10 minutes.
0: Well, it's really- All the, these different things. it's the briefest of scenes too. It's so brief. I mean, we get a, a brief scene when Biggs is trapped in the trash bin where he's calling his mom and his mom doesn't believe what he's saying. No, she doesn't. The whole time he's calling her. If that was my mom and I was calling her locked in a trash bin, she would be locked and loaded Hunting me down, be like and yelling through the streets, where are you? <laughs> I mean aliens be screwed that they're running around in the street. She wouldn't care. She would just like, No, I told you to come home ten minutes ago and that was an hour ago and you're still not home. You better get home.
1: And I liked how they were all counting their minutes and yeah. text throughout the film. Like oh the
0: good old like this yeah, movie is the only day. like eight years old. Yeah. So back and you know, people still counting down the minutes on their phone nowadays, people don't care. I only
1: got one message left. Yeah. Uh, you can't send all this information in one message. I got one minute
0: left, Mom. I'm going to make it count. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was pretty good. Let's talk about actually the a- the uh, accents, the dialogues.
0: Yeah, this, I felt like was very heavy, heavy, he- definitely heavy on the cockney. You definitely know slang. that you are in Britain when this movie opens. Totally. Um, but I felt like I needed a glossary of terms. Yeah. watching this movie, especially in the beginning, because I had watched this, but it was a few years ago, and mm-hmm. I totally forgot all the slang they were throwing around. Totally. And it's all it's like heavy slang. Mm-hmm. I guess the director wanted to include
1: it because it's these kids are you what could you say like poverty more impoverished I don't kids? think lower not
0: in, definitely on the lower end of the income spectrum mm-hmm. but I wouldn't call them impoverished because they have places to live they do all of them have cell phones they have clothes to wear it looked like relatively new clothes yes so I wouldn't call them impoverished definitely call them unsupervised yes they are unsupervised and they're mugging people yeah and, and robbing people which I have to say that um, this game fireworks yeah What do you who who are you robbing with fireworks I do have to say, though, that this gang comprised of um, past Moses, Dennis, Jerome, and Biggs Mm -hmm. is actually pretty cool. They're pretty diverse. But never, with the exception of the first scene where they're mugging, I never consider them a gang afterwards.
1: Yeah, they they definitely scrub that later.
0: This definitely felt more like a group of friends that were... Kids. Yeah, that didn't know what to do with their station in life. Maybe in the future, one or two of them will get out of the block and move on to a better neighborhood and better things. But never once did I feel like that this was a violent we're out-to-get-you gang, with the exception of the opening scene.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad that with the uh, diversity of the gang...
0: Well, it's important to do that if you are going to do a movie that's kid-centric, that you have to... Mm-hmm. feel and empathize with the kids
1: the thing is it's also like it's a kid-centric film but it's r-rated right because they swear
0: they, they swear use a the lot F-word all the time hi-hats swears all the time and there's, <laughs> there's blatant murder blood God yeah I the mean, aliens are ripping people apart this is this is a hard r
1: that's why i like this film it's so ironic with kids and everything it's totally something that you wouldn't see it made mm-hmm. in america
0: oh yeah this there's is, a slang. There's the kids. Even the kids are being killed, too, mm-hmm. which we don't see this a lot in American films. And I think our producer, Jeremy, was saying that they were debating whether to use subtitles. Yeah. Or not.
1: Yeah, because it was so slang heavy. They were worried that American
0: audiences weren't going to understand it. gives understand flavor it. to the movie.
1: It does. It took me out some moments where I was just like, ah. but you kind of you pick it up. But it feels
0: right being uttered by unsupervised preteens
1: uh, totally because i was thinking about that while watching this i'm like dude this is something a that i would do as a kid if i was that age and b like we we're swearing and saying crazy slang when i was 14 15
0: but also all the pop culture references too like there's um harry potter references oh, years that's... of war yeah. lord of the rings pokemon call of duty naruto i feel like joe cornish really did his homework when he did trying to research how to write dialogue for kids oh yeah this film is tight
1: mm-hmm. I really enjoyed watching it
0: um, I would love to see an, a long cut of this movie if if those miss if those 15 pages are out there mm-hmm. uh, reddit users get on that and then <laughs> see what this see what it looks like do an animatic put it on YouTube or yeah. petition Joe Cornish to do like a, a postscript for this movie but I feel like that this movie would be prime for a reboot. A reboot, mm-hmm. what? maybe not so much a sequel because well, a sequel. well John Boyega has g- gone on to do bigger and better things. Jodie Whitaker's doing Doctor Who. Yeah, I don't know where Joe Cornish's career is going to go after the kid who would be King flopped, but yeah. if you did a reboot with like one or two of the kids from Stranger Things, or if you leaned hard into the violent direction, yeah. I feel like this could be a decent reboot.
1: Well, I it could. I'm not a big fan of reboots. Well we
0: haven't well them. we haven't talked about that much on this show. I know. We 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 often find films that are entrenched that can be encased in one movie. Yeah. Or they're already part of a, a longer story. But this is the first movie we've watched Stand that alone. you could go either way where there could be a sequel or mm-hmm. there could be a reboot for it. I don't think it would be as good. Because it would just would have, be them older. And the, exactly, the sequel would have to be something along the lines of Moses has grown up, family, kids. Maybe he's not out family of the and block. kids, but he's out of the block. He's going to school full time. Mm-hmm. Because John Boyega, Boyega still looks like a baby. He is. So you could definitely pull off that 21, 22 look.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't mind actually seeing like it done twenty years from now, mm. like doing the you know a later sequel. And then just like having them get the gang back together, I could see that.
0: Like return to attack the block?
1: Yeah, return to attack the block. I wonder they how that poster would see. look.
0: Right. Like Moses in a wheelchair or something, and, <laughs> and Pest still has a limp from where the alien bit him. Right. You, you don't understand, bruv, it still hurts when it rains. <laughs> Every night on, on that night, no, on the anniversary, it always hurts a little. Samantha Adams is now an actual doctor. Yeah. And is like She's, Moses calls her up, like, listen, they're back. You need to come help us. And she just hangs up the phone, like, nope. But they have to suck her back in somehow. Yeah. That would be, I could see that. I wanted to look up because at the beginning of the movie, we see all the fireworks going off. And mm-hmm. I wanted to look up if there was any significance to it. I think it was it turns a out, yeah, celebration. Tur- yeah. turns out the movie takes place on November 5th. Okay. Which in the UK is known as Guy Fawkes Day or the gunpowder plot. And if you're unfamiliar with that, it was definitely kind of uh, fantasized in um, V for Vendetta. Okay. So a revolutionary by the name of Guy Fawkes wanted to blow up Parliament and the, he was planning him and his conspirators were planning to begin the catholic uprising by destroying parliament but he was betrayed and executed and hence november the 5th has come to be known as guy fox day guy fox day but now it's come to be celebrated in the uk with fireworks being set off so having it set on guy fox day is definitely an, al- an analogy for rebellion and a Applicable To kids you know, They're unsupervised They're leading this war Against the aliens That nobody else Knows anything about
1: Yeah Which no one knows Anything about them This whole film Yeah It's like no one Believes them
0: In, in this country At least If there were even A hint of alien activities There would be The men in black Or the CIA Or whoever is in <laughs> charge Of all overseeing over all that would be all over it. Those people would be sequestered. And you wouldn't know anything. Tommy Lee, Lee Jones would just come out of nowhere being all cranky. He's like, we need to stop all these aliens. And <laughs> Will Smith would just be like, chill, man. All right.
1: <laughs> Let's go get some pie. This film, I think if we are going to take it anywhere, I just wouldn't because the CGI is so tight. What makes it for me incredible is how low of a budget it is and how well it was put together. Like, if it had too much of a budget, I wouldn't like it. Yeah, I, I can understand it, that. Like, cause, but while we were watching it, I could understand why people wouldn't enjoy it. Because when we were talking before this, our producer, Jeremy, was he had to like get into it a little bit. Because we we're so used to these big budget films mm-hmm. with all the CGI.
0: And I mentioned... This too off air that this isn't going to hold up with the bigger budget alien movies like Predator no, or no. Aliens or even Mars Attacks, no. but this is definitely worthy of a mention when you're talking about the alien genre. If you yeah. want a good change of pace from the genre altogether, totally. I mean, this has gone on to cult status.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And I mean, come on, think about it. It's like a, the aliens are a bunch of guys in gorilla suits. But it's done in a way where it doesn't feel like that though. No that's what made it so great while watching it like I noticed it while watching it like the uh, plastic prop puppet alien when they land I'm like this is amazing already it's great because of the cheesy prop but it works it works in what it and how they used it and it wasn't too uh, schlocky.
0: Well, all the action in the movie is tight as well. Yes. Like when they're escaping the block and they're on bicycles and Dennis has his his moped and- Shout outs to mopeds. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Biggs has to actually do his jump to get away from the aliens. I yeah. Mean, even that scene is that. very tight. It was. Everybody gets their own cool moment in the movie, and that's what I really enjoyed about it, mm-hmm. but I did feel like a lot of it was overshadowed by Moses- Yeah, he definitely gets his his the lion's share of the hero moments.
1: Yeah, he's the main protagonist throughout this film.
0: He's marked as the protagonist right in the beginning when the alien scratches him. So right away you he has that distinguishing mark that a Mm -hmm. lot of heroes get in the movies, Mm -hmm. you know, like scars or they get some unique tool that will help them on their journey. And Moses has that the scratch on his face yeah mm-hmm. yeah and he you know exercises his authority as a hero of the movie by murdering the first alien he comes across He <laughs> just brutally murdering yeah he's like cartman in south park just beating the, that alien to death like you will respect my authority no question just uh-huh. bam <laughs> I mean, he's definitely i don't he's not so much the leader he's the oldest and by default is the leader yeah that's how i took that
1: because he's definitely not the most grounded because yeah. that's Jerome. Jerome's the most educated in the entire film. Jerome's
0: the most level headed totally. but Jerome is killed, unfortunately. He is killed. <laughs> that was a cool scene though. Yeah, the, the two that the two characters in the gang, quote unquote, who fit into a box, Dennis the Enforcer and Jerome the level headed lieutenant, yeah. are killed off right away. Pest I don't know if I would be able to classify him with the typical like gang stereotype. Yeah. I mean, he's not the stereotypical white kid because it doesn't feel like it's a commentary on anything like that. No, he he does get injured, but I feel like he's more of the gang idiot. Yeah, he's like got he, a, he's got a big mouth. He tries hitting on the much older woman. Yeah, dude, you're bleeding all over her couch. He's no one to stop.
1: Yeah, dude. He always has something to say.
0: And then Biggs is the not too sure of himself member. who He's the youngest. Yeah, he he's the guy who could waffle in and out of the gang and everybody would be okay with it. Because, yeah, because like you said, he is the youngest, but I don't see him being an essential part of the gang. No.
1: He, he's stuck in a uh, trash He spends bin. half the movie in the trash bin. Literally. I actually forgot about him half. Right. And then and you see like, oh, him yeah, he's like
0: there. trying to talk to people like, hey, come help me. The and thing. then the two kids, Probs and Mayhem, have to bail him out by using the super soaker, which you initially think is filled with water. It's gasoline. And then you realize, oh crap, that's gasoline.
1: I know. <laughs> Those kids are
0: great. They are awesome, but they're all unsupervised. They are. And you know what? They're six. Yeah. I don't know a single parent who would let a six-year-old out of the house unsupervised. I
1: know. And they're trying to jump Join the gang. That's like the funniest part of no, this it's film. It's probes I and mayhem
0: like, Reginald, Gerald, you need to go home.
1: I know. <laughs> oh, those kids are great. I actually thought they were going to get killed. So they kill Pogo. And so everyone runs away except the two kiddos. And they see the alien running towards them. I'm like, aw, you going to kill these kids now? But no, they didn't. And they paid off in the end.
0: In spite of all the action and horror in the movie, this movie does feel... Very grounded with the characters. Oh, totally. That was my favorite part about this film. Mm. You have Jodie uh, Jody Whitaker who's just started her career as a nurse. Mm-hmm. She was all she was mugged by Moses at the beginning of the movie. How did you feel
1: about the female interaction? She's like literally the only it's like her and the four girls. Like the love interest for I Moses. feel like
0: the female representation could have been a bit stronger in this movie. Because they're really not in the film too much. Well, when we're first introduced to them, it's almost like they all have an attraction to one another. Like yeah. this is like the makeout club or something. Yeah,
1: that's how like a bunch of kids get together.
0: <laughs> but then nothing's acted upon and then we don't see Nothing. the girls again yeah. until about another about another hour into the movie yeah it's like coming towards the climax and the girls do get their hero moment too yeah. they they kill one in the bedroom with
1: a uh, figure skate yeah <laughs> that was pretty cool but An as
0: electrical. soon as all of that's over it's done they yeah. run away yeah and sam is the only one who's left yeah she did save moses with a kitchen knife But she is the only one who's sticking around. I don't know if it's a character choice of her not knowing where else to go. She seemed like that the whole film. Because even Pest is bugging her. Like, well, where's your boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. Like, she could have gone in the nice little old lady's place. I know. I feel
1: like she was an adult that just kept getting put in the wrong situation. Yeah. These kids just inadvertently kept following her and ending up where she was.
0: Yeah, these kids have just... Roped her into the worst night of her life Totally
1: Like how they ended up in Europe. But yeah exactly Exactly She couldn't escape them. That kind of sucked I did like how they tied in the um, aliens to Moses Because the whole reason uh, the, While the film's going I'm like why are they keep sitting there attacking Moses mm-hmm. Wouldn't these things be spreading out And so what ends up happening is I guess the first alien that lands Is like this female alien And then all the males come And they want to procreate Mm -hmm. And so because Moses kills her, all of her juice, body, pheromones, Pheromones,
0: there you go, gets
1: all over him. There it is. And he attracts all the males. That's a
0: big word of the week. Pheromones.
1: Pheromones.
0: (laughs) And so we're we're working on helping Sean to expand his vocabulary, my
1: vocab. But so that was the major plot point. I really enjoyed that. How uh, they uh, tied that all in, though, I did not enjoy uh, the high boy. Hi-hats? No, 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 no. The the coked-out, drugged-out kid the whole oh, time. Oh, Bruis. Bruis. He wasn't my favorite.
0: No, he wasn't anybody's favorite, I don't think. He was actually, the director, his whole character was written
1: by the director because he said that's what he was in his 20s, this pothead that just watched TV animal shows.
0: I don't feel like Bruis added too much to the movie. No. Um, it was a Joe Cornish doing a cameo without having to actually film one.
1: Yes. Couldn't have said it any better. His whole point basically was to explain the pheromone. Yeah. That was it. And then they had that scene where they're in the hallway, which was, that was one of my favorite scenes in the film with like the uh, fog mm-hmm. where they shoot off the fireworks to kill oh, yeah. the, that was done very well. Though I wouldn't have minded if it was dark and there was like a flashing element with like a lot, kind of like in Snowpiercer where they're fighting with the candles and everything. You know, have you seen that film? It's so good. Mm. we'll talk about it when we watch
0: well i just haven't got around to it <sighs> it's all right i lead a busy life i understand chris <laughs> but uh how did you feel about our villain high hats yeah in a movie full of bloodthirsty aliens how does high hats become the I, real villain and he's like this mob,
1: not a mob boss but the gang drug dealer yeah. i guess in the block and he's much older He's got actual weapons.
0: Yeah, despite UK's ban on weapons, he's able to get guns pretty easily, it looks like. Yeah, which kind of threw me. But he, in the um, in the parking garage, he offers up his lieutenant to just die. Yeah. And then he ropes in the, the two gun dealers who brought him the spare gun. Mm-hmm. They get killed in the elevator. <laughs> and then the whole time, Hi-Hats just thinks that the movie or that the story is about him. Yeah. He doesn't he, he won't believe what he's seeing. No. Cuz he just saw these things these creatures murder his friend and his two other friends and he's still thinking that oh this is old Moses' fault. It's a dog. Like Yourself. you brought the feds down on me. I know. I was like, like the Like it's not about you, dude, bro. And that's the problem with villains like this is, mm-hmm. like they're in a lot of ways they're worse than the actual threat. And hi hats is a pure example of that. And he gets his shot in Fruita at the near the end of the movie. He gets he eaten does. by the aliens which that was a good scene too. Oh yeah great
1: like um, I I don't know if that was props or if it was makeup or if that was CGI but they basically you see them slowly mm-hmm. whittle away. It's a cut of the aliens over him and then another cut of half of his face ripped off.
0: you know of that scene where they're trying to bust into the apartment and the scene where Biggs is stuck in the bin it reminded me a lot of uh, the Raptors in the kitchen from Jurassic Park.
1: Oh yeah. There's a it's lot a of these
0: good little touches to, I think, Joe Cornish's favorite sci-fi films. Because at the beginning of the movie, you see the the night sky. Yeah. And to me, that reminded me a lot of Predator or The okay. Thing. I wonder if it was Callback. Yeah, it probably it was. Yeah. I mean, because imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Very true. And I think this was Joe Cornish's way of, you know, paying tribute to, you know, Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter and- Mm-hmm. Um and Predator by John McTiernan to say like hey your movies were awesome and this is my love letter to you but in a lot <laughs> of ways I mean this is this is taken from Joe Cornish's experience of, like the mugging obviously mm-hmm. and then building from that his love of sci-fi and for a science fiction fan I feel like this is right up anybody's alley I mean it it's very grounded with its characters mm-hmm. I mean it has the aliens it has the suspense in it. But, like I said, you feel for these characters. You do. And I think we feel for these characters more so than we've had in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. I think our big, you know, characters that we felt for, Dom from Inception... Marty from Back to the Future and um James Cole from 12 Monkeys. And then we have these kids mm-hmm. and all these kids, they have their quirks about them. But in the end, you do feel for them because at the end, right when we're leading up to the climax, we see that Moses doesn't come from the best of situations. No, his doesn't. parents are out of the picture. He doesn't have any siblings. His uncle comes and goes. Yeah. Mostly goes. Mostly. It's just him. And a lot of the, I think Pest's uh, guardian is his grandmother. though. If you've ever had, you know, a grandparent as, you know, your main guardian, there is that disconnect that you would feel with them. Um, And we don't know about the rest of these kids. I'm assuming that a lot of them come from either single-parent homes. I'm assuming, especially Biggs. Oh, yeah. He doesn't mention his dad and his mother is the only parent who's present. Um, Same thing with Jerome. And I think Dennis might be the only one who has a stable family for the most part. But Dennis is ultimately killed. So I think it may have been a clear creative choice by Joe Cornish to kill off the characters who seem like they have stable home lives. Yeah. It's very ironic. Like Jerome was killed and And then Dennis and his dog
1: were killed. Yeah. And Jerome was the most educated out of all of them.
0: Yeah. So I think this was really saying to the audience that if you find yourself in a situation like this, no matter how outlandish it may seem, no one is safe. That was one of my favorite aspects of this film, that
1: anyone was killed. And everyone who was killed, there was a reason and weight to it. Mm -hmm. It was was nice.
0: I do like movies like this that don't kill characters indiscriminately. Like you said, there is a choice behind it. But I do like movies like this where the danger does feel real, where the tension is real, where any of these characters could be killed off any second. Every
1: move that they made... It had to be a good one. And they're all figuring it out as they went along.
0: Well, I think we we might be approaching the review territory a little bit. So before we get into that, why don't we talk a little bit about the legacy of the movie? Well, like we said, this is a British film, mm-hmm. but we did see it get limited distribution in the U.S. Yeah. I think at its peak, it only got around 70 theaters. Which is kind of shocking. I did find this out, that it came out around the same time as the first Thor movie, and Ooh. Fast
1: Five. Okay, makes sense.
0: Well, it was only in I think sixty six is the total. It made over one million dollars.
1: Oh, that's not bad. So
0: it actually, for its theater numbers, it actually outperformed those movies in terms of that sample size. Mm-hmm. To get a million dollars when you're having to compete with those two big budget. Action films is a feat in of itself, and you have a limited amount of theaters. Exactly, and what did you say it was like sixty? It was sixty six.
1: Sixty. So that's like literally one point three per state. That's insane, and it made him. Hey, that's not bad. It didn't recoup
0: its budget. No, which,
1: it's like four million on a budget of eight million.
0: Yeah, it's it's not much. But the movie has gained a cult following since then, mm-hmm. which is why we see a lot of people crying for a sequel. I shouldn't say crying. You know, people are asking for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. And with Joe Cornish having recently done a flop, I don't know what he's going to have to do to turn his career around. But maybe doing an Attack the Block sequel might be the thing that kind of boosts his credibility a little bit. Right.
1: I would just worry about the Attack the Block sequel, that it would be too much. Um, they'd give it a giant budget. It would be over CGI. Because mm-hmm. what makes this film so great is how much they do with so little.
0: Well, it would depend on who does the script, yeah. who's directing it, and what, per- and what studio is willing to put money into it. Because like you said, what did make it work was the fact that the CGI and visual effects weren't overdone. Yeah. And it's very rare rare to see a movie like this where it's not in your face and it's not overwhelming to be successful. Oh, yeah. I mean, we see a lot of movies now that do practical visual effects are doing well. I think Hollywood will eventually return to that trend of Mm -hmm. practical visual effects done right. I think Christopher Nolan is leading that charge. Steven Spielberg used to lead that charge, but got away from that as soon as computers were invented to create his dinosaurs. But we can get back there, Hollywood. You just got to get the right director and the right (laughs) script.
1: You just got to get the right people to pay for it. How did you feel about the climax
0: before we jump into our reviews? Didn't feel like there was much of a climax.
1: Okay. Um, Because the climax of this film for the listeners is basically like they trap all the aliens in Moses' uh, Moses kitchen.
0: destroy the aliens. With
1: and it's kind of a religious element, right? Self-sacrifice. I
0: Self-sacrifice and also too, I mean he's the name Moses, yeah. he comes out after luring the aliens into the apartment that mm-hmm. he's going to blow up. You know, he comes out to a cheering crowd of Moses, Moses, yeah. and then gets arrested. And then he gets arrested. Exactly. Which is kind of interesting. We don't get an epilogue or anything else that happens. We don't know if Moses winds up going to jail. We don't know if there was an inquest about how the police officers and all these other people were killed. The fallout of the families. Exactly. (laughs) Like Dennis and his dog were killed and somebody's got the answer for that. But this this is also how you do religious symbolism, in my opinion. It's not overdone. No. At all. As far as I can tell, this is the only semblance of religious symbolism is naming of the character Moses and having him save his people. -hmm. Deliver them from the aliens attacking the block. They did it very well. Mm -hmm. But I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a climax. I thought the slow motion was a bit overdone and could have been shortened up. Was that your uh, lens flare? Yeah, the slow motion is definitely the lens flare of this movie. It doesn't have to be there at all. And also, too, when he's lighting that firework to shoot it into the kitchen. It does not take nine times to light a big lighter yeah. like that. It does th- not.
1: Th- that was my lens flare.
0: I just couldn't. Uh, you know,
1: it's after the first two clicks. Okay, even but a bad get,
0: lighter will light on the second or third click. But once you get to like five or six, it's like, all right, we get it. At this point, I've, I bet he was thinking, "Man, I should have just brought matches." Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's what I was thinking.
0: So uh, I think we've discussed the movie. Mm-hmm. What do we? Uh, what do you say we rate this bad boy? I'm down. Well, we have a four-tiered rating system here on the Force Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. We have a wouldn't watch category. We have would watch, would own, and would host viewing parties. Sean, what is your verdict on Attack the Block? I would do a would watch. Really? I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd
1: own it just because I'm not an owner movie type of guy. I'm a one-shot stop generally. But I would definitely tell people to watch this. And if you mm. want to see a good film made, like I've been saying, with a low budget gotta check it out
0: see for me this is where we differ i would call this a wood own for me a woodown for all the reasons you mentioned but when i tell people to watch it i would say here i have my copy you can borrow <laughs> but this is a cult hit for a lot of reasons it's won a ton of audience awards mm-hmm. nothing oh, tons nothing is- major but it is it is clearly a hot choice with audiences when they watch it, and I have to agree with those audiences. Yeah, it's so shocking how many
1: awards this thing has been nominated and won for, and it didn't, nothing major.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think it was going to win a BAFTA when it came out.
1: <laughs> no, definitely not. But at least an MTV or something like that. Mm, maybe a, Maybe a Saturn.
0: Well, MTV's caught in doing reality television. They're not going to watch a British film for any reason. That is true. All right. Well, with that all out of the way, what do you say we pick our movie for next time? Let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to enlist the help of our friendly random number generator AI, Major Samantha. And we're going to have her pick between 1 and 118 from our recently modified movie list. Had to take a few out of there and switch it up a little bit, but we're going to put it in here. And uh, number 114, which, ooh. I don't know what you feel about this one, Sean, but it is 1997's The Postman, directed and starring Kevin Costner. The Postman. The Postman. <laughs> I've never seen this. I've well, heard we about are now it. getting into the Kevin Costner oh, sci-fi th- realm.
1: There is so many Kevin Costners on
0: this list. Mm, I think it's just this one in Waterworld but that's only we, these are the only two we got on here those are the only two so far we got I mean there's of course there's probably a bunch of direct-to-video ones that he's done that will be analyzed and maybe added to the list for future <laughs> use because well everybody gets into the every actor gets into the period of the career where they just have to do direct-to-video sci-fi movies yeah. we're looking at you Nicolas Cage and John Cusick mm, I don't even know if John Cusack is even doing movies anymore <laughs> well i think that about wraps it up on this edition of the force fed sci-fi podcast if you enjoyed the show please go to itunes and leave us a five-star review it helps drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show we are across the spectrum of social media with facebook twitter and instagram all at ForceFed sci-fi you can check out and download episodes at apple podcasts spotify google podcasts or wherever you find podcasts and please subscribe so you never miss an episode Finally, you can check out our website forcefedsci-fi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for myself and Sean Culp, we'll see you next time. Force-Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design and associate producer is Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme work composed and performed by Custom Anthem.